0: When my father passed away almost five years ago, it was a very peaceful passing. I was here in my office when my sisters who were attending to dad in Arizona said, you might wanna get to your phone. We had an app connected to a camera so that my other sister and I could be present throughout this time as he was approaching death. And I remember grabbing my phone, sitting in my chair, and watching my dad peacefully pass. Some of us have had that experience of seeing someone peacefully pass. As we've heard the account of Matthew's Gospel, there was nothing peaceful about Jesus' death. He was beaten, flogged 39 times with the lashes that were tied to rock and metal, tearing open his back. The crown of thorns pressed in his brow He was nailed, hands and feet, to the cross. The sights and the sounds were horrific. From the mockery and the taunting to the shrieks and screams of his mother and his beloved followers. Jesus crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A final cry. And he was gone. And we heard again the account. At that same moment, the earth quaked, the rocks, split graves opened up and people were raised back to life but there's a detail that starts even before the earthquake and the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom When we read narrative accounts in the scriptures, we have to understand there's so many details. And the writers don't give us every detail. So when they give us a detail like the curtain, we wanna pay attention. What's going on with the curtain? Maybe that's what you thought as you walked in tonight. What's, What's going on with the curtain? Let's talk about the curtain. Actually, the curtain goes back to the very beginning of the story of the Bible. How's the story open? God creates everything out of nothing. He creates Adam. He creates Eve. And there's this perfect intersect between heaven and earth. Adam and Eve living in this garden of Eden prepared by God, heaven on earth, enjoying this perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship with each other, perfect relationship with all of God's created order, perfect until, as we just sung, the fall. When Adam and Eve doubted God's goodness, disobeyed his clear command, rejected his loving leadership over their life, and ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when that happened, death entered in. And when that happened, Adam and Eve did know the difference between good and evil in a visceral, personal way. And that's why they're hiding Because they understood they did not belong in the presence of Almighty Holy God. And so chapter 3, the account of their rebellion against God, ends with God driving them out from his presence and from the tree of life. Which for me is not only an understanding of the consequences of our sin, that it leads to separation and death, but also points to the mercy of God that Adam and Eve would not live eternally cursed. But he drives them out from the garden and he posts a guard, if you will, cherubim, angels, the very angels that protect the holiness of God with their drawn swords, not allowing them a way back. But the rest of the story of the Bible is about God pursuing rebels like us and like Adam and Eve. In fact, if you want to put the story of the Bible in a sentence, it's God reconciling all things in heaven and on earth back to their rightful place through Christ, all for his glory and also for our good. And so the story is of a God pursuing his people. And he meets up with his people and he makes promises to his people like Abraham. Beautiful promises to Abraham. Even as he made promises to Eve that one of your descendants is gonna crush the enemy's head. And when God's people were delivered from Egypt, and entered the promised land on their way in, God said, I, I want to make a covenant, a promise to you that I-, I will be your God, and I want you to be my people. And the question is, so how does that work? Because it didn't work anymore in the garden, and humanity hasn't gotten any better since the garden, so how's this gonna work? That God could be their God. How, how is it that there could be an intersect? Unholy people with a holy God. And God said it's going to work this way. We're going to intersect in a place that, in many ways, is symbolically going to represent that garden. It's the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the precursor to the temple. And at the center of the tabernacle, was the temple, 45 feet by 15 feet wide. The first, called the Holy Place, 30 by 15. In it were several things like the lampstand, the altar of incense, the table of showbread. And then there was a curtain between the Holy Place and that cube, 15 by 15. The Holy of Holies. Where God descended over the very Ark of the Covenant, his throne, if you will. You see the image there of that curtain, some 60 feet high. If you're here in this room looking at the stage, the curtains here are about 25 feet high. This curtain. was was this physical barrier to God's holy presence. And the high priest was the only person who could enter into that space and only one time a year on the Day of Atonement as he offered sacrifice for himself and then going in offering sacrifices for the people of God. God a physical and visual barrier from a holy God. The priests took great preparation, ceremonial ceremonial bathing, cleansing, linen garments, and there was such fear to enter into the presence of God that at times in Israel's history... They would send the high priest in with a rope around his waist and bells in the hem of his garment. So that if he was not able to stand in the presence of God, no one else would have to die to go get him out. They would pull him out. We read about this curtain in Exodus chapter 26, verse 31. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. Hang it with gold hooks on four posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the clasps and place the Ark of the Covenant law behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Separate the priests and all the activities that went on daily in the holy place from the very presence of God. So what happened when Jesus breathed his last and the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom What happened was that God gave us a great object lesson. This was God's doing. If some person were to try and tear that curtain, believe me, they would have started from the bottom up. But the scriptures are clear from the top to the bottom. And the lesson God was teaching us is that Through the sacrifice of my son, there's now a way back in to the presence of God, to a relationship with God. The priest had to offer sacrifices year after year, but the blood of bulls and goats was insufficient. He was all looking ahead to the final sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice that we remember today. And the scriptures tell us that we enter into that place through the curtain, which actually is his body. We'll read it in just a minute, Hebrews chapter 10. And so Paul would say in Acts 17, God no no longer lives in a temple made with human hands. And because of Christ. we can enter confidently, with boldness, into the very presence of God. The writer of Hebrews writes this, chapter 10, verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so as we draw near to the table that takes us back to that first Friday, Let us draw near with sincere hearts, filled with faith and assurance that what Jesus did on the cross is sufficient. There isn't anything that you've done. There isn't anything that you could do. whereby Jesus' death on the cross would not be a sufficient sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sin and the removal of your guilt. And some of us still are dealing with the guilt that Jesus came to deal with. Let us draw near with a sincere heart. The beauty of tonight is it's not wrapped with sentiment. It's raw. It's rough. It's brutal. And the brutality of Good Friday in its story is we are at the heart of the story. For Christ died for me. And he died for you. He knows that. We know that. We know that we're sinners. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold fast to the hope we profess that Jesus' life and his death on our behalf and his resurrection, that is our hope. The God who promised is faithful to complete the work he began and the victory that Jesus achieved on the cross. And so we're going to remember Christ as we remember what he told us to do, to do this in remembrance of me, to remember that the bread symbolizes his corporal body. Jesus came to this earth, took on human flesh, lived here 33 years. He was nailed to a cross. He died for us. We remember that. And the cup, reminding us of his blood, his life blood that was shed for us as a covering for our sin, that which gives us life. So, if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to take part of communion, this intimate expression of our love, this honest expression of our ongoing need, Jesus, I need you today as much as any day. Celebrate communion. Celebrate the fact that we entered through a curtain when Jesus died and our faith is placed in him. If you're still exploring the claims of Christ, then I I just ask you to just reflect on the music as our worship team continues to lead us and to reflect on God's great love for you. And if tonight is the night where you're placing your faith in Christ for the very first time as God moves in your own heart, then come and remember Christ. Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you for your Son one who knew no sin but became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God through him Lord Jesus have mercy on us as we draw near to you strengthen us to live lives that honor you and point people to you Lord thank you for your mercy that wipes all wrongdoing away Father God meet with us as we draw near to you pray this in Christ's name so a word of instruction for those of you in this room we have three tables two up front and one in the back by the center doors we have elements that are gluten-free if you need that and there will be members of our staff pastoral staff that will be serving you and so when you're ready we're going to be going through a couple of songs here just make your way to the front take your elements and go ahead back to your seat where you can then take that individually and then I'll come back at the end of the service let's continue to worship